I am excited to be here with you and I am glad you're part of our Calvary online service uh, today. And, and I'm going to invite you to take your Bible or your Bible app and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it's right after the Gospels. The Gospels of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And uh, we're beginning a series in the book of Acts. Uh, so let me ask you this. While you're finding Acts, while you're getting settled, while you're uh, you know, refreshing your coffee or... In my case, opening a Diet Pepsi while I'm watching the service. Uh, which do you prefer? Talkers or doers? Do you prefer people who say all the right things and get nothing accomplished? Or do you prefer people who, whether they say anything or not, just get it done? See, I confess, I, I love to talk. And, and, and I actually like mouthy people, especially if they make me laugh. Okay, that, that's just reality. But but I respect people who get it done. I respect results. And, and I'm always looking for those people who are making things happen. And so today we are beginning a study that will take us almost to Christmas. We're going to be focusing on the book of Acts. Now we call it Acts because the actual name is Acts of the Apostles. In other words, it's, it's the actions of the the, the people who were the leading followers of Jesus at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. It, it's a, a historical record that actually tells us how the church was born. What it looked like in the beginning. How they acted. What the disciples did after Jesus' resurrection and after he ascended. It, it tells us how the gospel spread beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea uh, and to the ends of the earth. It demonstrates how God works through his people over and over and over again. It's about action. Yeah, there's a lot of teaching in there, but it's mostly about what they did. And, and, and this is especially fitting for the times we're in. Because, uh, you know, we're in a time of radical change. It's the upset of normal. Uh, we're not sure what's going to happen next. And that describes that first century early church situation in Jerusalem. Everything was up in the air. Uh, they weren't sure what was going to happen in their lives, in their community, and, and as the church was born. Now, the Apostle James, uh, Jesus' brother, who wrote a letter that's in your New Testament, said this. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, and so deceive yourselves. Be doers of the word. So we're looking at Acts because we want to be doers of God's word. Now, Acts was written by Luke. Uh, you may recognize the name Luke because he wrote the Gospel of Luke. He was a doctor and a historian, and so he actually recorded and, and wrote down the, the life of Jesus. Uh, and then he went from the Gospel of Luke, which talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, to Acts of the Apostles, which tells us how the early church started. So it's a continuation of events, uh, of a historical uh, recording of, by a guy who loved to study history and wanted to tell the story of Jesus. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and uh, really just look at this beginning statement of Scripture of the book of Acts. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, he's actually writing to a friend, a student, if you will, uh, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had all come together, that's Jesus and the apostles, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know what times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, that's the beginning of the book of Acts of the Apostles. And since I'm introducing this new series, the very first thing I want you to see is the apostles demonstrated dramatic life change. Dramatic life change. Just a little bit of background. You have the 11 apostles that are left. Okay, now if you don't know the story, Judas, one of the, the 12, Judas Iscariot, he betrayed Jesus. And, and, you know, after Jesus was arrested and condemned to die, G Judas was filled with remorse and uh, he went and hung himself. Okay, he committed suicide. And so now there's 11 men and these 11 men followed Jesus for three years. Okay, they, they listened to Jesus teach, they observed the miracles, they confessed he was Lord. And then on the night that Jesus was arrested, they deserted him. And then the leader of those 11, Peter, denied even knowing Jesus. And then when on the morning of the resurrection, the women came and told them what had happened and they thought they were crazy. They didn't believe them. And now they know Jesus is alive. They spend 40 days with the resurrected Jesus. And, and, and we will see as Acts unfolds before us in the coming weeks and months, the radical and amazing life change in these 11 men. They were transformed from fear to courage. I mean, we saw in the Gospels the fear that, that, that they fleshed out at the time of Jesus' arrest, and they become courageous men. They went from being timid followers to being, you know, courageous leaders. They, they went from being timid to being outrageously bold. And of course, they went from being students of Jesus to being leaders of the church. So this transformation happened quickly. And I want you to understand that the reason for radical change is the resurrection of Jesus. The reason for radical change is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the most significant event in the history of the world. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It changed his followers completely and radically. It changed an empire. We're talking about the Roman Empire, the dominant empire at that time. And it changed history. And yet, in light of all that, people still question whether or not Jesus really existed. They actually do. I read an article just a couple weeks ago. I was flipping through stuff and the, the title of it caught my attention. It was 12 historical figures that probably didn't exist. And I thought, they're not 
going to include Jesus. But I, in my mind, I knew it. So I read through the article, and sure enough, they included Jesus. And I thought, that's ridiculous. But then again, there's a whole lot of uh, quote-unquote religious scholars. They're really secular scholars who, who study religion who, who call the resurrection of Jesus a myth. They just flat out don't believe it. They talk about it in, in all those ways. Yet the existence of Jesus is historically verified in numerous ways. In numerous ways. If you were holding a trial, uh, it'd be easy to prove that Jesus actually existed and that he was raised from the dead. First of all, there was a Jewish historian, not a follower of Jesus, first century named Josephus, and he references Jesus, including the execution of Jesus. And then there are these Roman politicians that we have letters of writing back and forth, Pliny and Tacitus. And, and by the way, they were not fans of the church. They were not fans of Christians. Uh, but they have references in their letters to the crucifixion of Jesus under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius, Emperor Tiberius. Uh, and then, of course, you have the writings of the New Testament. And these writings were all put together in a time of actual witnesses and participants. These are the people who saw it, who experienced it. They would have been the ones who said, ah, you got that wrong. By the way, there were other uh, what's called pseudo letters, fake letters that were written about Jesus and written during that time, claimed to be authors uh, that, were part, that were there. And the, the early church, the leaders who saw that stuff and who knew those people, they threw them out and said, these things are fakes. We know they're not real. Uh, so uh, ultimately, the, the greatest proof of the resurrection of Jesus is the extreme life change of the apostles. I mean, these are the guys who were there. And, and uh, their lives were radically shifted from what they knew before Jesus died and after he rose from the dead. They were new men, completely different. Uh, I love what Chuck Colson of Watergate Infamy said. By the way, if you don't know who Chuck Colson is, Google him. Uh, look up Watergate if that was before your time. But this is what he said in defending the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. And it makes perfect sense when you hear it. Chuck Colson says, I know the resurrection is a fact. And Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. How does he know this? He, said, he goes on to say, Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. <laughs> you see, the resurrection of Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. He changed the apostles' lives. He's changed my life. I'm pretty sure a lot of you watching this would say the same, that Jesus has radically changed your life. You see, at Calvary, we want everyone to meet the person of Jesus because we know he's going to change their lives. Now, now hear this, because this is really important uh, in a day where biblical Christianity is a minority in this country. Our goal as a church is not to get people to attend church and agree with a set of, you know, written down principles. Okay, that's not our objective uh, in, in trying to, to 
reach people. Now, now understand, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to, to study God's word. I want you to believe it. Here at Calvary, we give Bibles away because we believe the Bible is the inerrant, inspired word of God that tells us what to believe and how to live. That, that, that's our conviction. And, and yet, at the same time, uh, my greatest desire is not for people to believe the Bible, but my desire is for them to meet the person of Jesus Christ and have Jesus change their lives because the living Jesus is the reason for the life change. Okay, there's a lot of people who say they believe the Bible and don't have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But if somebody experiences a life-changing relationship with Jesus, they're going to read the Bible. They're going to believe the Bible. Because Jesus comes alive out of the pages and they fall in love with him and they want to know his truth, his word, and let it penetrate their lives. That's a reality. You see, when you're sharing Jesus with somebody or having a conversation about God with somebody, don't try to convince them from what the Bible says. Uh, look, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago, you could begin a conversation with, well, the Bible says, because most people in America then uh, at least acknowledge the Bible as an authoritative book. That's not the case today. Today, most Americans don't really put credence in the Bible. They don't see it as an authoritative book. Now, look, for you and me, if we're followers of Jesus, if you believe Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world, you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and was raised from the dead, and you've made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, then the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible tells us what to believe, tells us how to live, it opens up the wisdom of God to us. It is our book. It is our authority. But it doesn't translate out to people who don't know Jesus. You know what translates to them? You. Your experience with Jesus. That's your credibility right there. Telling people how Jesus Christ changed your life. They can't argue with that. They can't refute that. They can't dismiss that as not being real. Because it's your story. They don't have to believe you, but they can't discredit you. You know what goes along with that? Is people seeing the life change in you. When they knew you before and now they see a different person, then that's powerful. That's dramatic. That's what gets their attention. That's why we talk about character all the time here at Calvary because you can't represent Jesus unless you reflect his character. That's why we're all about life change. We want to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the, the apostles did not start a religion based on written documents and precepts. No. The apostles started a movement based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the fact that they knew him and they saw him and they believed in him and they followed him. And then they wrote down all the, the stuff we call the Bible about their experiences and told us the story so that we could tell it to other people as well. So the apostles were radically changed because Jesus was raised from the dead. I hope you can see that. I hope you believe that. They knew it. I hope you know it. And then in Jesus' final recorded conversation with them, he told them, don't get distracted from the mission. Don't get distracted from the mission. I don't know if you caught this when we were reading through this. In verse 6 it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? I love that. The apostles were so much like us. 
Jesus is alive. They're hanging out with him. Their lives are changed. And, and then they ask him, is it time for the kingdom? Is it time for you to take charge? Is it time for you to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, they went right to politics and power. Right to politics and power. Jesus, who's going to win the election? That, that's where they went to. And, and I love Jesus' response. The first thing he said was nunya. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Verse 7, he says, it's none of your business. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. It's none of your business. It's not your concern. This isn't what you're about. Oh, but Jesus, we want to know when you're coming back, when you're going to restore, when you're going to do all this stuff. He says, you don't need to know. You don't need to know. And then he tells them what's really important, which is the mission. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses. You are going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses in Judea. You're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. They don't want to go to Samaria. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. They don't want to go to the ends of the earth either. That, that's, he said, this is your task. This is what I want you to do. You are my witnesses. And so what Jesus is telling the church, that's the church right there, the apostles, that's us, is this. Don't get distracted from the mission. And, and here's the thing, the early church would totally get distracted from the mission. In fact, in the coming months, you're going to see these stories unfold and we're going to talk about these distractions. They got distracted about uh, who's getting the food. You know, the widows needed food and they, and they started arguing about food. That distracted them. And then they got distracted about the politics of money. I know that never happens in churches today, but it happened in the early church. And they fought about money. And, and then, of course, they got distracted by being cozy and comfortable in Jerusalem. And God had to get them out of Jerusalem so they could go to the ends of the earth uh, and, and make that happen. And then they got distracted about the rules. What does it mean to be a Christian and how do we have to live and what it goes on with that? And, and so there's all these distractions that we're going to learn about in the coming months. Look, don't get distracted from the mission. The mission of Calvary is to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ through the love of his people and the power of his truth. That's our mission. That's what we're all about. Let's not get distracted from that. Let's not get distracted by the COVID crisis. Look, we're all tired of the COVID crisis. I get that. I'm tired of it, you're tired of it. And, and it's affected us in so many ways. There's so much fear. All the, our, the conversation about shutdown this and this can open, but that can't open. And, and the injustice in that. Which businesses can be open and which ones can't. And we argue about face masks. You know, uh, you got to wear them. You, uh, they don't do any good. You need to put them on, do this, don't do that. We get so angry at each other about our convictions and, and then the social distancing. And then we argue about whether schools should open or schools shouldn't open. And of course, you're watching this at home. We're not gathering right now in person. And it, and it breaks my heart. It, it you know, frustrates me. And, and yet it's a distraction from the mission of God. Uh, because God's still working. In this world, God's at work. In our church, God is at work. In your lives, God is at work. You know how I know that? Because since the COVID crisis hit, we're talking mid-March. Since the COVID crisis hit, Calvary has seen 103 people declare their faith in Jesus through baptism. And we've got more scheduled for Sunday night, August 2nd, which is for some of you uh, tomorrow and for some of you it's today. Okay, 
reality. It, it's August 2nd. And if, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you have never declared your faith in baptism and you know God is real and you know Jesus is alive and you want to declare that, then uh, you'd show up at London Bridge Beach at 6 p.m. Uh, that's the one on the island uh, just right by the dog park. And, and you join us and we will baptize you because we got at least four people signed up right now to get baptized Sunday night at the park. And we'd love to help you be obedient to following Jesus because that's what our job is. Help you follow Jesus, not get distracted by COVID. And don't get distracted from the mission by politics. Look, I know this is an election season and people are crazy tense right now. I mean, you could cut the tension with a knife, lots of places. And yes, look, I've got opinions and I've got hopes for what I want our country to be. Uh, all of that, but I'm not going to get distracted from the mission. My priority is to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus through the love of his people. And you know what? Nobody feels loved when you're yelling at them about your politics. Just isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Can I just tell you the mission matters more than the election? Some of you really are struggling to hear that right now. Some of you have got your hopes and dreams wrapped up in a candidate and the mission matters more than the election because uh, as vested as we are in our country, uh, it's temporary. But the kingdom of God is eternal and men and women's souls are eternal and the mission of Christ is paramount. Uh, and, and then don't get distracted from the mission by uh, all the end time stuff, the fears and hopes that people have. I've been seeing lots of posts now about people saying, you know, the rapture is going to come, the tribulations coming, you know, persecute, all that kind of stuff. Look, here's what I know. Christian prophets of doom love times of chaos. They love fear. They love to talk about this and get our hopes up and point to this. I grew up in this in the 70s, so uh, I'm, I'm sharing from experience. And uh, here's what... Here's what happens. We get caught up in speculating about when's it going to happen? Is this a sign? Is this a sign? And we start talking about that. And from my experience, a lot of times when we do that, we detach from sharing the love of Jesus. And we just kind of start hoping that the end is near and heaven's right around the corner. Uh, let me remind you what Jesus said to the apostles when they got all excited and said, Jesus, Jesus, is it time for the kingdom? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Don't get distracted by the end times conversation. Have the conversation. Look, I hope Jesus comes back tomorrow. That'd be awesome. But I'm going to keep the mission as the priority because I want to be obedient to Jesus while I'm looking for Jesus to return. Let me say that again. I'm going to be obedient to Jesus while I'm waiting for Jesus to return. That's the challenge for us, not to get distracted from the mission by the hope we have of heaven. You see, it's a season of distraction. It's a season of chaos. It's a season of change and uncertainty and fear. And let me just tell you something that is absolutely certain. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you win. We win because of his death and resurrection. It's done. And here's the cool thing. Nothing in this world, no matter how crazy this world gets, can change that reality that you and I belong to Jesus. Nothing. 
It's a certainty in uncertain times. So given that reality, let's choose to love people. Let's tell them about the living Jesus and how he has changed our lives. It kind of worked for the apostles. We're going to see that in the coming weeks. It worked really well for them because God showed up in power. And my prayer for you and for me is that through this season of chaos and uncertainty, the power of God would rest on me and you and Calvary, uh, wherever Calvary is, in Havasu, in Parker, all over the United States of America, even in other countries, and we would see God change lives and work miracles over and over and over again. That's my prayer. I hope it's your heart's desire as well. Now I have to close with this. If you're watching this and you have never experienced that life-changing relationship with Jesus that we've been talking about, the offer stands for you. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul said, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Today we simply invite you to make a decision to follow Jesus with your life. If you're interested in doing that or you've already decided to do that, click the button that's showing up on your screen. Email us at the church. We'd love to have a conversation with you, follow up with you. Uh, heck, just show up tonight at London, or Sunday night, August 2nd at London Bridge Beach, 6 p.m. and join us for baptism. Uh, God's at work and we know he can change your life. We know it from the acts of the apostles and how different they were because they encountered the living Lord Jesus. Our prayer today is that you know the life-changing power of the Son of God and Savior of the world. Will you pray with me? Father, we are your servants and we praise you because Jesus is alive. You have defeated sin and death and hell and, and we have no fear of the future because you have saved us from our sins. You have guaranteed us eternal life. You've promised us heaven and you will never leave us or forsake us. And so, Father, our prayer is that you would change us and that you would use us to make a difference in this world, even as you used the apostles. Um, and Father, for those that are seeking you, that want to know that assurance that you really are real and that you're alive and that you've changed their life, I pray that you'd meet them right now and express to them your love and your grace that will forever change who they are. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship the living God.